Locked On Podcast Network and Odyssey present Locked On Today. The ACC took center stage in the NCAA tournament this weekend. The Tar Heels have figured it out and ended this Cinderella story. Plus, why aren't we thinking of this Suns team as historic? I'm Peter Bukowski, starting your day with the stories you need to know and biggest debates in sports. You're locked on today. Searching all major sports. Found. Let's start with the biggest story. This year's Final Four will be as blue blood as blue blood gets as Duke, Villanova, North Carolina, and Kansas are all in the Final Four, but not all one seeds. In fact, North Carolina made it as an eight seed. It will still be heavy on the ACC with two out of the four. Duke and North Carolina meeting for the first time in NCAA tournament history. Can that really be true? But it is. Joining me now from Locked On ACC, Candace Cooper and, and Candace Duke. Over the weekend, they punched their ticket against Arkansas. This is a team that is finally hitting on maybe not even all cylinders yet. We'll we'll find out. But what have, what what has impressed you about what they've done here with all of this pressure with the Coach K retirement looming? I think that honestly, after the regular season, the pressure really has subsided because the one game that you were supposed to win, you end up blowing it. So it's like, what else can you lose? Right? <laughs> Let's just go out and have fun. ACC tournament didn't go quite as planned, but you're still like the regular season champs. You know, it's just now there's nothing to play for other than pride, play for wanting to win, having that about you yourself personally. And then the added bonus of Coach K. And I think he had to have a self-check in the mirror of like, hey, these guys are dealing with too much. Maybe I need to just come in and say, it doesn't matter. I've won all I need to win. I want you guys to have that feeling. If you look at the other side of Coach Davis and how he's talking about his players, he just wants them to have this experience and these stories for themselves. So I think maybe Coach K took a hand in that. But other, like beyond just the outsides of it, Duke has probably played the best basketball we've seen of them this season. They have looked mature. They have you know, been down. They have been in tough spots, but they've been super resilient. I think you've had a lot of guys step up in ways that we might not have seen in the past. You've also had A.J. Griffin given the opportunity to be more of a floor general than Paolo. You know, I know he comes in at his moments, but there's no pressure on him to be the man and do everything for that team. And you also seen some big plays out of Mark Williams having to be that big man, especially in that Arkansas game. Good Lord. He really came out you know having that little maybe soft moment he's built back up his confidence and now you just see him thriving and he everyone tends to feed off of him so Duke is just one team I personally wouldn't want to face in this tournament but look here we are yeah and and they get North Carolina in in a matchup that we've seen many times over the years but not somehow not in the NCAA tournament which seems impossible what do you think is going to we'll have plenty of time to preview the game in 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 the coming days but just early reaction to the matchups in this one. I think this is going to be the best you've seen of both teams. I think both equally one, one each, right? So now you have nothing other than playing for a chance at the national championship, no pressure. Okay. So it's just having those bragging rights. I think everyone who really has an investment into these two teams is going to be stressed out all week, but I don't see that out of these guys. I think every every single player deep down has wanted this. I think they all want to see each other again, whether it's Duke wanting a revenge game, getting that lick back or Carolina really stamping on the fact that we are the better team. So you're going to see a very high level game and, but it could go both ways, right? I think we're either going to see an incredible game that maybe has two overtimes or we're going to see a game that nobody can buy a basket. So whatever you want, it's going to be must see TV. <laughs> so I, I want to ask you about the rivalry part of this too, because 
should we be thinking about this when we're putting seating together that, Hey, wouldn't it be great if like, I, this is, this is one of those things that it would be cool if this happened more often. And instead we're stuck with often we're, we're getting Kansas Miami and it's just like, who asked for this game? No, but that, <laughs> but they won. And so they're there. Yeah. And I think it's like the Carolinas of not doing well during the regular season and having those big blowouts when it really mattered most. So them being an eight seed was certainly something that they earned because of how they played. But if you look at just the way they played against St. Peter's, they were probably a two or one seed all along. Like they had this in them, but you got to get it done. And unfortunately they didn't, but that's just the reality and the nature of a college basketball beast. And I think, you know, you do want to see some of these marquee matchups every now and again, but I think you also enjoy the Cinderella stories and the one chances. So I, I, I enjoyed the randomness of it all right? Like you have to play your best basketball in these three weeks. So we'll see how it keeps continuing. Coming up, UNC from eight seed to final four. That's next. Now, here's what you need to be locked on today. The Dallas Mavericks have caught the Utah Jazz in the West. The Dallas Mavericks get the win over the Utah Jazz. Nick Engstead from the Locked On Mavericks podcast here. And the Mavericks entered the day Tied for fourth in the Western Conference with the Utah Jazz. They now move ahead of them, and they're only two games back from the Golden State Warriors. Rudy Gobert was a late scratch in this one. Hassan Whiteside missed this game as well for the Jazz. Bogdanovich missed this game as well. Donovan Mitchell had a weird injury scare in the middle of this game, but he ended up coming back, and he was okay. That was good to see. But the Mavericks going into halftime were, just, were struggling. Their offense just couldn't seem to get anything going, and then out of halftime they realized, oh, yeah, with no Gobert, with no Hassan Whiteside, we can get into the paint, and we can do some stuff in the paint as well. And so they they did that. They got into the paint. They got uh, they hit 17 of their 34 threes. They hit 17 of their 24 free throws that they got in this game, and they took advantage of a team that was very much was missing a lot of players. Uh, Reggie Bullock was huge, hit 7 of 11 threes. For 23 points, Luka Doncic just doing what he does, 32 points, 10 boards, and he was just taking control of this game when he had to. Jalen Brunson helped as well with 22 points. Mavericks team moves on, and they look forward to hopefully moving up and continuing to keep moving on up. There's a new top dog in the East, and it's the second half charging Celtics. John Corrales here at the TD Garden after the Boston Celtics 134 to 112 win over the Minnesota Timberwolves. Once again, the Boston Celtics throttled a good team. They took a four point lead after the first quarter and then went on a 17 to four run in the second. And after Carl Anthony Towns scored 12 points in the first, they only let him score seven points the rest of the way. So number one, the Boston defense was awesome. You didn't hear much from Anthony Edwards. He had 24 points, but it was a quiet 24 and he piled on some points late. No Al Horford at this one. I was afraid that the Celtics might struggle a little defensively. They did not. Just another domination. The sixth straight game where Boston has held a 20-point lead. After everything that has happened to the Boston Celtics, this is a first-place team. I'm going to talk about it on the Lockdown Celtics podcast, so make sure you're subscribed and watch the show on YouTube. Number one overall seed South Carolina handled number 10 seed Creighton 80-50 to to clinch a spot in the Final Four for the second straight season. This Final Four appearance is one Aaliyah Boston has worked for since their semifinal loss to Stanford last year when she missed a shot at the buzzer that would have given the Gamecocks a national championship bid. South Carolina coach Dawn Staley and the rest of the team 
have spoken openly about how much they all want to get back to the Final Four to get another shot at winning a title. The United States men's national soccer team couldn't confirm its place at this winner's World Cup after Costa Rica's win at El Salvador on Sunday, but its 5-1 win over Panama in Orlando on Sunday night put it on the brink of qualifying for Qatar in 2022. Christian Pulisic scored his first career hat trick with the national team, and additional goals from Paul Areola and Jesus Ferreira saw the Americans cruise to a lopsided result that eliminated Panama from contention for a place at Qatar. With 25 points and sitting in second in the CONCACAF final qualifying table, the U.S. would need to suffer a six-goal defeat at Costa Rica on Wednesday to be denied automatic qualification and sent to a playoff with the winners of Oceana. Here's what to look for on Bet Online, your number one spot for all your daily gambling needs. The final four are set. The big one everyone will be talking about this week, the UNC Tar Heels and the Duke Blue Devils for a trip to go to the big dance. BetOnline.net has this game. Duke giving four. Two teams that have plenty of championship experience on their own between the Kansas Jayhawks and the Villanova Wildcats. The BetOnline.net line for this game is Kansas giving four and a half. Overall odds to win the championship right now, Duke plus 155, Kansas plus 180, Villanova plus 450, and North Carolina plus 475. Bet online where the game starts. Here is another story you need to know. In a blue blood final four, only one team's blood is so blue they named a color after it. The North Carolina Tar Heels dispatched of Cinderella St. Peter 69-49 on Sunday and an eight seed. It is weird to call North Carolina an eight seed, but that is what they were in this tournament to try and make sense of all of this for us. Isaac Shade from Locked on Tar Heels. We watched this team, a team that, at least a program that we are used to making these sorts of runs, but this was not that team. So what clicked for them in the tournament that wasn't working during the regular season on the same level? Well, they finally have just fully come together, accepting roles, understanding what Coach Hubert Davis is looking for on both sides of the ball, offensively and defensively. Once Dawson Garcia was fully gone from the team, a Marquette transfer that went home to be with his family following some health issues, there was really this what's being called the Iron Five starters, uh, this uh, elite backcourt of Caleb Love and R.J. Davis an incredible defender on the wing in Leaky Black, a stretch four in Brady Manick, the Oklahoma transfer that Carolina hasn't seen since Luke May, and a dominant inside presence in Armando Baycott, who just tied Tim Duncan today for the most double-doubles in a single season in ACC history. Yeah, a casual 20-22 and 22 against St. Peter's, albeit an undersized and undermanned St. Peter's team. They, they beat them by 20. It was a game that was not really ever close at what point did you start to feel like, okay, this team could be different because right away in the tournament, once, once the actual tournament got underway, they just started beating people. But was it, was it until the tournament or was there some, some different point? That's a great question. So a couple games before the end of the regular season, Carolina lost at home to Pittsburgh. Mm-hmm. Their only uh, loss that was not in one of the first two quadrants. That was a, a quad four loss. After that, there there were some team-only, players-only meetings. And from that point, literally Carolina's only loss was in the ACC semifinals to a Virginia Tech team that was desperate to make the NCAA tournament. 
And so we saw what happened in Cameron Indoor Stadium to close the regular season. And since then, Carolina has just been on fire. Three of their four NCAA tournament games, they've led by double digits fewer than 10 minutes into the game. That, that is incredible. So let's look forward now to the final four. Uh, how do you feel about North Carolina now that they have this, the iron five, how do you feel about their chances to now raise another banner? I mean, you get to the final four and anything can happen, right? It's just like making the major league baseball playoffs or the NBA playoffs. You just want to have an opportunity. And when you have this collection, as you said, of blue bloods who have won four of the last six NCAA tournaments and seven of the last 13 NCAA tournaments, it is going to be electric basketball. This Duke team has been playing under a lot of pressure that Coach K, frankly, is the one who put that pressure on them, but they have been rising to the occasion in this NCAA tournament, has looked phenomenal the past couple games. And so this uh, game between North Carolina and Duke, the first time these two teams will have ever met in any round of the NCAA tournament, and it comes in the Final Four in Coach K's last year. It's a script that not even Hollywood could write. And I think that the Tar Heels are up to the task. Coming up, why aren't we thinking about this Suns team as historic? Today's episode is brought to you by our friends at Built Bar. Built Bar is the best tasting protein bar ever. It's the protein bar that tastes like a candy bar, covered in 100% chocolate with incredible flavors. And you, you, have to ask, you have to act quickly because some of these flavors, they sell out. They sell out because they're that good. They're that good. The puffs, some of those puff flavors, they, they sell out because we're talking about protein-infused marshmallow. Come on, protein-infused marshmallow. All built Bars covered in 100% chocolate yet. Yet, high in protein, high in fiber, low in net carbs, low in sugar. How do they do it? I'm not a scientist. I don't know. But it's I, I personally think it's magic. Go to built.com and use promo code LOCKED15 to get 15% off your order. That's promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at built.com. Agree or disagree? This is the Q of the Day. In a battle of number one seeds, if the playoffs ended today, of course, the Phoenix Suns took down the Philadelphia 76ers 114 to 104, doing what they've done 60 previous times. They won. And they did it in impressive fashion. Devin Booker, 35 points. Chris Paul had 19 and 14 assists. And Phoenix just keeps rolling. Joining me now from Locked on Suns, Brendan Clean. And Brendan, what we're looking at right now with what Phoenix is doing, the gap that they have created between them and the rest of basketball is remarkable. No one within nine games of them right now. This is historic stuff. So why aren't we looking at this team as historic when right now they are? a great question i mean it's a great way to think about it why why are we not thinking of them as being historic because there's a lot of been there's been a lot of conversation this week about why are particular players not getting the love and awards suns fans are very much on the devin booker for mvp bandwagon there's mikhail bridges for defensive player of the year and i think the suns will be well represented but typically these seasons are hailed as legendary in a way that this one hasn't been i, I feel like part of it is that we and i've been saying this all year we haven't we didn't watch this team go through the, the checkpoints that we're used to seeing. We didn't see, you know, failure. We like to see that. I mean, the finals is one thing, but to make it to the finals is such an accomplishment that I don't think it felt that way. So I think that's part of it is that it, it doesn't feel like some sort of 
crowning moment for a group that we watched build and build and build. But I also think it's because we just don't know what to make of seasons in the NBA right now because of now three of them that have been screwed up because of the pandemic. I do think that's a part of it with guys in and out of the lineup and, and certain players just missing seasons and teams changing and James Harden being on three teams in three years and all the rest <laughs> of it. It's, uh, it, it's made for a, a, something that's hard to measure. And so I think the Suns are, are kind of getting the short end of that stick for sure as well. I do wonder if part of this is what we've seen over the last couple of years with teams putting together incredible regular season runs. And then in the playoffs, things get different. We saw Milwaukee a couple of years ago on a similar historic pace. The pandemic interrupts everything. They go into the bubble and, and they fall apart a little bit. How much of it do you think is just that we've seen this, this movie before with other teams. And then when the playoffs come, you know, better or for worse last year, it was, oh, well, the Lakers weren't healthy. There, there were these excuses that you can make if you want to do that when it comes to the Suns team. Today was a perfect example of it. The Suns right now are in a situation where they can go two of five the rest of the way and they'll still break their franchise record for wins. They're not going to go two and five. They're going to go something like seven and oh, six and one, five and two, and they'll really be up there in the high 60s and wins. But tonight's game is a perfect example of why I do think you have to feel pretty confident this team will be able to handle a lot of what's thrown at it. You can say what you want about the 76ers and they have their own question marks, but the Suns came in, executed a game plan. They're doubling Joel Embiid on the block. They are uh, throwing zone at this team. They are mixing up who James Harden not only is being guarded by, but is having who he is having to defend. And they just execute. And in the second half of the game, the 76ers scored just 40 points. And the Suns defense mm. just won in a landslide and, and took this game home. So I guess that's where I come down is we've seen them check every box that they possibly could over two straight regular seasons. They lost two games to the Bucks. That were the difference between, you know, not a championship and a championship. I guess I just don't know what else they can do to prove it. And, and obviously that those continue to come in the playoffs. But right now, I don't know how you could feel anything but incredibly positive. Yeah, the only thing they can do to prove it is to actually prove it. And they can't do that right now. So that's just not fair to put that on them. And finally, Scotty Scheffler woke up on Super Bowl Sunday with exactly zero PGA Tour wins. He now has three and is the top ranked golfer on the planet. He became the first player to win his first three career events in a five-start span since David Duvall in 1997, and he is the sixth youngest player to reach world number one since the rankings began in 1986. Scheffler was ranked 15th in the world prior to this five-start stretch. Among the 24 players who have held number one in the world, none of them have had a steeper rise to the top in such a short span. Thanks for making Locked On today your first listen. For your second listen, download Locked On Bets, all the gambling advice you need in about 20 minutes. Coming up on Wednesday, it's getting down to the wire in the NBA. Who is in trouble of playing themselves out? So at least until tomorrow, stay locked on today. Stay locked on today.